Why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Acts? That's fantastic. So far in the book of Acts, we have seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We have heard the apostolic gospel preached, and we have observed the apostolic church. We have seen praise and wonder at the power of the name of Jesus. We have heard that two thumbs pointing to my shirt. We have heard that very, very brilliant. We've heard that we're going to keep hearing that, by the way, because he still does. That made me happy. Uh, today we are going to see the be- some beginnings in the book of Acts to the opposition to that name. We will hear just again how good and how necessary his name is, and we will observe some of the first efforts to silence that name. Know this, Jesus saves, and there is no other name. Jesus saves, and there is no other name. Let's look at Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at the first uh, 22 verses. Yep, I got a, a, a thank you note from one of my staff this week saying, Hey, uh, thanks for reminding us not to read the Bible like it's the back of a mayonnaise jar. She must have heard someone doing it. And this is not polysorbate 80. This is the living breath. This is the word of God. This will change your life. Mayonnaise will just add to your tuna fish. (laughs) As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them. Who's them and who's they? This is Peter, John, the man who's formerly lame and everyone watching. They came up to them being greatly distressed. Disturbed. That's a polite thing. You might just underline in your in your Bible. Greatly disturbed. I just wonder if there are if you want to just circle that and in the margins of your Bible just add what you think that means. Um, I mean, whatever vernacular you would use. What vernacular do you use when you're greatly disturbed? Don't maybe it's not appropriate to say in here, but. You get where we're going with all of this. Greatly disturbed, significantly stimulated. Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. Not the same like we did today. (laughs) Different kinds of laying hands. And they laid hands on them and put them in prison until the next day, for it was already evening. Remember, Peter and John were going to the temple at the evening hour, the the, the 3 o'clock service. And so by that time, after that's over, they close the gates, they roll the sidewalks, uh, and and business is over for the day. So they put them in prison until the next day. But, But... Many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. That's 5,000 family units. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes, Luke is not being redundant. He's not being unnecessary. He's very specific on purpose. The next day, rulers, elders, scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, 
and Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. Now, I know that to you and to me, to many of us, what we just listed was sounded like John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. <laughs> but to a closer audience, we, they need to know these are all very significant. These are, we would call them the mucky mucks. We would call them the bigwigs. We would call them those who are in charge. This, these, the big shots were all there. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, I think we should read it that way every time we see it. Let's try that again. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how he has been made well, let it be known. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, here we go, apostolic preaching, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Yes. <laughs> He's, he, not this feller, but Jesus, he is the one, probably he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation, but in no one else. There is salvation, but in no one else. For there is no other name. We should say it out loud. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. This is not in my notes, so in case I get carried away or I forget to say something, I want us to remember all the names that we just read. All the names of the big shotaroos in the room. And we must remember some of the names that they would have held as, uh, uh, that they would have at least venerated to a degree. Not the least of which would be Moses. Once again, they are saying, gather up all the names you've got. There's no other name. Verse 13 continues, now, 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 as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been, I'm telling you, if you read the Bible out loud, I don't care how many times you've read it before. I read the book, I generally I read the book of Acts through every month. And I just saw something brand new again that made me very happy. <laughs> so I had to circle it. Uh, and they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Ooh, that's, a that's a very good thing. We're going to preach that. And seeing the man had been, who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, hmm, what are we going to do with these men? 
For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it, but so that it will not spread any further among the people, let's warn them not to speak any longer to any person in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or rather than to God, make your own judgment. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further, we mean it. They let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. And the man who had this miracle of healing had was performed was more than 40 years old. Jesus saves. There is no other name. Let's let Luke, uh, let's take a look together a little more slowly now what Luke would just told us. The apostles are there in uh, the temple near Solomon's colonnade, and they are exp- they are explaining that God has glorified His servant Jesus Christ. That it is by faith in, that, that in His name and the faith that comes through Him that this man is made well inside of you all. And you know, therefore, repent and times are refreshing and all that. And He'll send Christ. We heard all that, and while they are preaching about this, you hear the imperial march of Darth Vader and crew coming right, and they come marching in there. And they are unhappy. Who, who, who showed up and why were they greatly disturbed? This is important because this, this sets up the conflict. In any story, you got to make, right, the conflict, it has to be clear. What's the conflict here? The religious and political leaders of the temple showed up. Not two groups, same group. Primarily, the more the power folks there in the in the, that were, that were part of the temple, the sect of uh, first century Judaism that would have been present, most present in the temple, would have been the Sadducees. There were Sadducees, there were Pharisees, there were Essenes, and there were Zealots. Those are about the four different sects, uh, political religious groups of the first century Judaism. And in the temple area, the Sadducees prevailed. They were the dominant force there. They stayed there. They they wouldn't. They rarely even left the temple grounds area because the, of the necessity of, of of their observation of staying clean. The Pharisees were out amongst the people more and in the synagogues and that kind of thing. The, the Sadducees, they believed. See, they showed up. Here's the thing we need to know. They were, they were far more connected politically than the Pharisees. They, they were like they were like, like delegated, appointed uh, a, a political authority originating right there in Jerusalem. They believed, their, according to their, their documents, the Sadducees believed that the Messianic period had already begun. The time of Messianic rule, according to their documents, began in what would be known as the Hasmonean period, about 2nd century B.C. And they were the expression, they were the, the effect, the echo of that Hasmonean rule. So they actually, they saw themselves as the representatives, the icons, the vikers of this, of this Messianic rule. And they did not believe in the resurrection no resurrection, no angels, no demons. No resurrection. So they're in charge, and their beliefs 
what they believe about themselves necessitate them being in charge. But someone else is saying there is resurrection. So if there, and that's a problem twofold. If there is a resurrection, that threatens their claim to authority. Also, if there is, also anybody claiming resurrection is preaching a message contrary to their narrative. They are saying these people are preaching and teaching what the Sadducees say is not true. In other words, the apostles are guilty of spreading misinformation. We need to understand that although this occurred in a religious context, to be fair to the scripture, to be, to be honest with the text, although this occurred in, your, in a religious context, this was not just a religious conflict. It was a political confrontation against religious claims. And we're just in chapter 4. Politics is not the church's primary agenda. Peter and John weren't in the temple running for office. Nothing wrong with that, but that wasn't their primary agenda. There's everything right with that. But it's clear what we want to see here is how did this thing start? Peter and John weren't even paying attention to the crowd around them, but they confronted suffering in the name of Jesus. And then when everybody started paying attention, they said, hey, pay attention to the name of Jesus. So politics isn't the church's primary agenda, but the fact is that as we see here, politicians and policies come to our doorstep and expect our compliance or will demand our silence. And as we see here, we must respond by clinging to our convictions and to the commitments those convictions require. And I would add that in a wonderful government such as the one that we have, that we should take the opportunity to advocate for the values that our convictions generate. But let us pause and consider more, more importantly the, what was happening here. It was the, what they were grieved at, what they were greatly disturbed by were the claims of our faith. So let's make sure we understand what we're claiming here. What, what, what we're claiming is that in Jesus there is resurrection. Do you realize how crazy our claim is? It wouldn't it be easier to say that Christianity is, is just a club that believes that if you believe the right things, you can have a happier life. You know what? We do believe that. Right. I have a ve- I'm very, ve- happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. We believe that. But, what, but the reason, but that's, that's the consequence. That's not the cause. That's not the root of this thing. The root of this thing is, I'm going to live forever. I have become grafted into the life of eternity. And the powers of the age to come are present in my life right now. And they are with me through while I walk this sod. 
And I walk here with, and I am, I, there is a somber counsel and a sublime hope that, that is with me day by day, that this life is not all there is, that I live with reverence today and joy today because there is a life after this one. There is resurrection. There is judgment. There is eternity. And Jesus saves. And this is the message that was interrupted very suddenly and very aggressively by human authority. But Luke, and, then they, and they lay hands on them. So this is, this, we got to get the suddenness. Talk, talk, talk. Come in, grab, yoink. No, no interview on the spot. Just grab, go. And we might be tempted to think, oh, no, what a missed opportunity. Everything went to, everything went to shreds. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Luke will not allow us even for a moment to, to believe that human intervention can pause or hinder or stop the saving work of God. Right. They grabbed them and took them away, but in their wake, 5,000 families. Jesus saves. On the, the, the next day, of course, because after the, the sun comes up, now they can get back to work, the rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and they placed him in the center and began to inquire, by what power, by what name have you done this? Luke wants us to know just how ominous this was. Again, it may not, for you and me, it may not quite cause the hair in our neck to stand up because we just think, okay. Probably all you're thinking of is, great, a room full of robes and hats. But it appears that the 71 members of the Sanhedrin assembled and summoned two fishermen and a formerly lame man. Sanhedrin. Imagine having to appear before a joint session of the Senate and the Supreme Court. These people had the power to decide your future. To excommunicate you, to get you, cut you off. They, they're almost, almost without limit because the, the Rome had delegated significant authority. Punishments that could be physical, financial, familial, societal. And here was their question By what power or in what name have you done this? Power here, that what, the way that Luke is saying it, power, they want to know what power. This power refers to what kind of supernatural force capable of curing disease. What kind of where did this, what power is that? And more specifically, they, want to, they, they know that this power is directly linked, linked to a person. What kind of power is this, and from whom did it come? And Peter will answer simply this, power like hope has a name and his name is Jesus but verse 8 remember we got excited when we read that then Peter filled with the spirit said to them rulers and elders of the people if we're on trial today for a benefit how this man has been made well let it be known it is by the name of Jesus Christ Luke says that as Peter answered or just before he spoke that he was Filled with the Spirit. Somebody say it again, filled. filled. He's filled with the Spirit. This is uh, not 
an adjective. He's not describing a quality about Peter. This is a verb saying something happened to Peter in that moment. In that moment, he uses the same language as Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And here you see it again. And Peter, filled with the Spirit, essentially began to speak. He, 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 the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And, Luke, and how would Luke have known that Peter was filled? We can know probably Peter told him, hey, in that moment, Peter would have said something like this, that he experienced the Spirit's intense presence and strong working, that he suddenly had an increased or a heightened awareness of the Spirit. And knowing that his master had told him that you're going to be pulled into these courts, but don't worry because when you talk, I'm, you're, the Spirit of your Father will speak through you. So once again, informed expectations. Peter's awareness of the Holy Spirit was immediate and encouraging and enabled him to say that power has a name. It's important for us to recognize, again, friends, that, that, that being filled with the Spirit is not just a doctrine. It's not a box that we just check off. It is a relationship. It is a dynamic, ongoing experience. Yes. It is times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. So Peter says, hey, if we're on trial today for a benefit provided for this act of kindness, then let it be known that it was by the name of Jesus. What happened here happened because of the name of Jesus. What Jesus happened. You should say it with me. Jesus happened. And it said, by, this, by his name, this man was made well. In our Bibles, it says made well. It's true, but the root of the made well there is the word sozo. It's the same word for salvation. Yeah. You, you could, it could be equitably translated by faith in the name of Jesus as the name of Jesus that saved this man, yeah. which is why he says that Jesus is the cornerstone which you rejected. That What you rejected, God made the foundation of our salvation, and there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Power has a name. His name is Jesus. And salvation has a name, and his name is Jesus, and there is no other name. Jesus saves. <laughs> Verse 13, as they observed the confidence, like, whoa, you can imagine like their hats kind of blew back a little bit. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John, they understood that they were uneducated and untrained. That didn't mean that they were dopes or dummies. That meant that they recognized that these men had not been properly brought up in the rabbinical system. They were not rhetorical scholars. They, hadn't, they weren't Greek teachers. They weren't rabbinical experts. They're, they, 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 they realized what they weren't. But they began to recognize they were amazed. They were amazed and recognized as them having been with Jesus. That's literal. Wait a minute. We, these guys are familiar. But I love that it's amazing to them. Because once again, we hear that, it's, that it is not about what we are not or what we have not done. But it is absolutely about who we have been with. Our greatest impact will flow from having been with Jesus. And according to Luke, people who have been with Jesus are amazing. 
people who have been with Jesus are amazing. Oh, man. Is that too long to say out loud? Hey, who's doing the dibbity bop? Yeah, Faithy, make sure that you put that on there. Change it between services. Edit it to say, people who have been with Jesus are amazing. Just like that. Let's say it together. People who have been with Jesus are amazing. And seeing the evidence of the healed man, they had no reply. Once again, the world may resent deeply. They might be greatly disturbed by the claims of our faith. But they must be confronted with the evidence of our faith. So the council dismissed them. They talked. They said, what are we going to do? And we read it. They said, let's tell them never, ever to speak in this name again. They could not refute their testimony, so they determined it was necessary to silence them, and they commanded them never to speak, whether in private or in public, about this Jesus again. They did what all authoritarian movements do. They demand silence in order to suppress. But Peter and John answered. They said, oh, whether it's right to obey you or God, you decide. we can't stop essentially the disciples we need to hear this we need to hear this well the disciples had no interest in trouble only in truth they essentially say you decide you have the power to decide they couldn't do anything about them you have the power to decide what you're going to do you do what you must we will do what we must as for us we cannot Stop speaking about Jesus. They were compelled by the unction of the Spirit, by the love of God, by the truth. They respond, as we said, to clinging to their convictions and to the, commi- the, con- those, the commitments that those convictions require. They didn't become cavalier. They did not endorse anarchy. They didn't, you know, give them various nonverbal signs of their displeasure. If you know, you know. They'd simply pledged to honor the expectations of Jesus. And here's the good news, friends. More of the good news anyway. The expectations of Jesus will always be more moral, more excellent, and do more good than any law. You know, man has never made a law more moral or righteous or more good or more just than God's. You will never violate a just and good law by obeying God. You're never going to say, well, officer, I was going 87 and I had to obey God. I needed my neighbor's Mercedes. I had to obey God. But obeying God will cause you to live at a much higher uh, morality and righteousness and loyalty. The people who obey God are the very best kind of citizens. That's right. The very best kind. But when human authority exerts pressure contrary to the will and word of God, believers must follow their convictions regardless of the cost. So they threatened them further, and they threatened them. And you know what? We'll find out they made good on some of those threats. This is serious. They threatened them further. They let them go because, well, everybody was praising God, and that man was healed. And friends, when the church, we're at 22, when the church, and I, I told them I, I was trying to give my heads up because I'm already late. 
But when the church speaks and acts in the name of Jesus, there are two great echoes. Two great echoes that we should expect. When we speak, when we act in the name of Jesus, God is praised. And lives are changed. All of this happens because Jesus saves. And there is no other name. Can I invite you to stand? Can we give honor and glory to the name of Jesus? Can we just give him praise? Lord, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. If you're watching online, live or later, we want you to know that salvation has a name. His name is Jesus. That Jesus can save every bit of you. He'll save you now and for eternity. There is a resurrection. There is a judgment to come. But there is forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus. And salvation in his name. The Bible says that if we repent, we are baptized in the name of Jesus, we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be his disciple. If you're here this morning... You don't know that you're saved. you got to be saved. There is salvation, but only in Jesus. If you're here in this room or listening online, if you're here today and you don't know that you're saved, you can know it today. You can know for sure that you're saved. And I'm not just talking about how you feel, but you know if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? If he is, you know it. If you don't, I implore you, I urge you today to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Is there anybody in this house today that would say, I don't know that I'm saved. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I don't know it, but I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Right where you are, just lift up your hand and say, yo, that's me. I need Jesus. This is serious. It's all public in the Bible. Ain't nobody had a you know secret poll is there anybody that wants that says i need jesus i need him to save me i feel a little bit nervous about it but i know it's a big deal there's only hope there's only joy in the room the other thing i want to say is this if you haven't been baptized in water we, as soon as we're done with this we're going to go outside and there's I'll meet, I'll meet anybody outside who needs to be baptized in water we'll have a crew who will pray and celebrate with you you just need to let pastor young know for sure jeremy young there he is over there, giant Sasquatch in the blue. Aaron, lead us. Let's give the Lord praise together. His name is exalted far above the earth. His name is high above the heavens. His name is exalted
Praise the Lord. Jesus saves. All right, I'm going to walk over here with Pastor Young. Do we have anybody that connecting this morning, my friend? Okay, we've got two or three in the next service. All right, every first weekend, we're going to run that water looking for more disciples. God bless you. It's, it's Fellowship Weekend. There's food in the cafe right now waiting for you. Slow down. Take a minute. Hang out a little bit.